0: Just like the Apostle Paul, I'm, uh, I'm prepared to speak until midnight, so uh, be ready. But in all reality, uh, I hope you get as much from this lesson. <laughs> no, it won't be until midnight, I promise. It may be 1130, <laughs> depending on how many jokes I think I need to add in. All right, so uh, I hope you get as much from this lesson as I have uh, in preparing it. I've, I've done this lesson, a little bit of it, once before at a church camp. Um, but this kind of setting gets you um, to think a little bit deeper, and you have a little bit more time to expound upon things. So, um, I think this will be—I think this will be a good lesson for all of us. Um, my lessons on the armor of God. Um, we're going to find that we're, our main text tonight is going to be from Ephesians six. Um, so, the closest thing that we have today. To armor, because our our military people don't, you know, go out in armor-clad anymore. They they're not in the Middle Ages. The closest thing that I can think of as an example today is like a catcher in baseball, or a uh, a, a goalie in hockey. How many of y'all have ever seen one of those? Um, okay, I don't have a lot of baseball or hockey fans apparently. <laughs> So for those of you who don't watch baseball or hockey, they, they, have ma- they have a helmet and mask, they have padding, basically everywhere on their body to protect themselves from you know, getting hit with either the baseball from the pitcher or in the goalies case from the hockey puck coming at them because they basically throw themselves in the way of the puck to block it. Um, so every piece that they have has a specific pers- purpose. Um, Each piece of their garb that they wear is meant to block a specific region so, you know, they don't get hit. Now, it's not perfect because I can't tell you how many baseball games I've watched where the batter's fouled off a ball and it's hit the catcher on the toe or something like that. And you see him fall over and grimace because of where it hit. Um, The Apostle Paul in Ephesians here, um, he was... He uses a subject that he's used to. We don't get to see people in armor as much, but he gets to see them every day. Um, he's grown very familiar with them, and he describes it, our Christian protection here in Ephesians 6. By this point in his ministry, Paul is a prisoner under the guard of the Roman soldiers. Um, as we'll see, each aspect of the soldier's armor serves a specific purpose. So, what we're going to do is we're going to go through these verses. We're going to be reading from verse 10 to about verse 17. And we're going to go a little section at a time and talk about each piece of armor. All right, so the first section, uh, we're going to read verses 10 through 13 here. All right, it says, "...Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil." For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. All right, so something I got mainly from this section here. He talks about putting on the whole armor of God. He doesn't say put on, you know, like the glove of God. He doesn't say put on the shoe of God. He, he says the whole armor. So um, we can't withstand the devil with only part of the armor. Like I said with the catcher and the, the hockey players, each piece is meant to guard a specific uh, section of their body. Well, each piece of the armor of God is meant to protect part of our soul in certain aspects of our Christianity. Um, Note in uh, in verse 13, it also says with that, that we have done all to withstand. Well, if if we only put on part of the armor, are we really doing all that we can to withstand the devil and to withstand those temptations that we have? Don't worry about all my flipping. I've got four pages, but it, it won't go very, it'll go pretty quick, so... All right, so let's look at verse 14 now. So we're going to get into each piece of the armor now. In verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. All right, so the first piece, I need to stop moving my pages so I can keep up where I'm at here. So the first piece, it says to gird your waist with truth. How many of y'all know what to gird means? All right, I'm seeing a few of our people, probably some of you have heard of a girdle. Um, some of our smaller kids have no earthly idea what I'm talking about right now. So I, I kind of looked it up to try, to try to get a good definition for it. it uh, to gird yourself is to kind of put on a, like a belt. So honestly, I kind of changed it and I said, this is kind of like the belt of truth. And what better way to keep up your spiritual pants than with a belt of the truth, which will never fail you. I'll have to tell Matt that I, I got zero laughs from that one. <laughs> I've got a couple of jokes, and apparently none of them were working. So, all right. So, whenever you're thinking of these, this kind of belt, they're they're not like the belt that you wear to hold up your pants. Um, the belt, otherwise, you know, that wouldn't exactly do very much in armor terms to protect you. Um, one one aspect of this belt would it'd be able to hold up your sword as a soldier which would be very useful, you know, if you're out in battle and you reach down and like, oh wait, I left my sword back in the tent, let me go grab that and just wait right here while I go grab that to, to fight you. It doesn't work quite that way. Um, another version, uh, another way to think of it, of its spiritual use is that it strengthens and supports. And I brought this right here to kind of demonstrate kind of a, a little bit more of what kind of belt they're sort of talking about. They had a various different kinds um, this right here is one that I use for work. as a back brace. It's got a support in my, for my lower back for whenever I'm picking up heavier boxes. And you'll see, uh, like if you've ever watched some of the strongest men things, um, you'll see some of those guys that are lifting those like 100 or 300 pound boulders for no apparent reason whatsoever. They have those big lifting belts on. They're there for more than, you know, just holding up your pants. So it's to help... Um, strengthen you, strengthen your soul and to help you withstand some of those things that the devil is trying to throw at you. Because sometimes it might not be a very heavy thing that gets thrown at you and other times it might feel like that boulder has suddenly been dropped on your life. Um All right, now the other piece of this. The other piece that was mentioned in here was the breastplate of righteousness. So breastplate's kind of this area right here. It's kind of, if you were the catcher gear, it's the the chest pad, all right? It's going to protect your core, your most vulnerable parts. Um, And it says righteousness. Well, the word righteous means to be morally right. Um, With that, your heart needs to be led by righteousness. We need to have that right relationship with God. If we don't, then what's the point of protecting it? If we're not protecting it, then the devil can just say, oh, this is right, and we're off over there whenever the battle's over here. We're doing more harm than we are good. All right, let's look at verse 15 now. Now, y'all will notice I'll spend a little bit more time on some of these other ones than I do other ones, so. All right, verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All right, how many of y'all know what the word shod means? Honestly, without having to look it up, I knew it was to put something on your foot, but I didn't really know what it meant. It's actually a, I believe it's the past participle of the word shoe, the verb to shoe. So like you would shoe a horse, or I guess technically whenever you put on your shoe, you're shoeing yourself. So we need a spiritual shoe, a spiritual covering for our foot. And it it also helps us whenever we're putting these on, that way we can do various things. I mean... Honestly, as a kid, I was very tenderfooted. I still am. I, I can't walk outside without, you know, hitting a small piece of gravel and falling over and you know, holding my foot and in excruciating pain. But these Roman soldiers that um, Paul was was following and was being guarded by he was, since he was in prison, they had shoe. Their shoes were built for them to withstand things. These Roman soldiers were to be able, they were required to be able to march up to 20 miles per day, whether they were just doing drills, marching that great distance, or they were going in battle these distances. So, not only did their shoes have to hold up, they had to be able to protect from various, you know, things hitting at their feet. And, I mean, I don't know about y'all, I can't walk 20 miles with great shoes on, much less with no shoes on, to protect my feet. So... Um, also, it says that these are, uh, we're to be shod with a preparation of the gospel of peace. That means we need to be uh, ready to deliver an answer, like it says in 1 Peter 3.15. So let's turn over there real quick. So 1 Peter 3.15, and I like hearing the pages flipping. I know some of us have the, the phone app and we're flipping with that, but I can't hear that as well. All right, so 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give, an, give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and with fear. So when we have these, these spiritual shoes on, they're not only to protect our feet, but they're supposed to help prepare us to be able to deliver the gospel to people. Just like these Roman soldiers had to walk these 20 miles, we need to be able to go to people and bring the word to them, which I thought was a very interesting thought here. All right, so let's go back to Ephesians 6 here, and we're going to look at verses 16 and 17, which is our last two verses. These, right, these two verses right here have got three pieces of equipment in it, though. All right, so verses 16 17 say, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And let's go ahead and read 18 there as well. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all the perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we've got three things to break down here. The first one it lists is the shield of faith. Well, shields are primarily used for defense away from the body. We're not, you don't hold a shield right here and hope that, you know, no one hits me with something. Because if you get hit right here, it hits right on your chest and you're going to fall backwards. So they would hold their shields out in here to try to catch things and glance them off so they wouldn't get hit as hard on their core because their, their, uh, their chest plating wasn't built to withstand too many hits. So we're supposed to use our faith um, to help shield our body, in this case our soul. Our faith is supposed to be noticeable to others just like that shield was. They would have shields that would be about as tall as they were. That way they could block more. So it wasn't like one of these little bitty like, pizza covers or tops of a trash can where they'd hold it around and hope maybe they would hit something. So it was supposed to be noticeable to others. They should be able to, we should, others should be able to see our faith. They shouldn't walk up to you and be like, oh, well, and hear later, oh, he's a Christian? I had no earthly idea. We should be showing our faith to others. Um, It's also supposed to help shield our souls, like I said, from all the fiery darts or the temptations and trials that the devil will throw at us. It's supposed to be kind of the first line of defense. So does Paul stop there? Uh, It it doesn't say uh, put on the whole armor of God and then he stops at the shield of faith. Um, We're not supposed to just use the faith alone to protect us. He doesn't say... Uh, here you go, have the shield of faith, you're going to be great. Um, if that were so, if it was only faith that we were going to be using, why is the faith a shield? Paul, knowing these Roman soldiers, knows better than, than that. Whenever he's looking at these soldiers, he's, he sees what all they're wearing and what all they use in battle. And why would he have made faith the shield if it was the only thing that was going to help save us? that's where the other things come in. In this case, let's look at the helmet of salvation that it talks about. It's to cover our reasoning center, our mind. That's where most of our reasoning comes from, our thought processes about the Bible. God wants us to use our mind to gain knowledge and understanding of all of our faith, which uses the last aspect that he lists in here. And sometimes I feel like it's the most overlooked, but it's the most important one, which is our sword. So just as soldiers can't rely only on their shields, we can't rely just on our faith in this battle. If they had soldier, if the Romans had soldiers going out there with only shields, they were doomed to fail right off the bat because those shields are going to give way eventually just like our faith will give way eventually if we're only using faith, if our faith isn't based on anything. Um, We have our swords for both a defense and an offense as well. So hold up your swords. How many of you have got your sword tonight? This is our sword. It's not only an offensive measure, but it's a defensive measure. So Paul doubtlessly seeing all these Roman soldiers training every morning would see that during these sessions, they would tra- they would actually train, if you look it up, uh, historically speaking, they would train with wooden swords and wooden shields that were a whole lot heavier than the ones that they were going to use in battle. If you ever watch baseball, whenever they're uh, the person that's on, on deck, he's they usually have like a big rebar bar, super heavy, and they're back there swinging it around. That way, whenever they get up to bat, they have their wooden bat, and it's a whole lot lighter, and it, it feels like they don't have almost anything in their hand. It's almost an extension of themselves. So is our, sh- our sword is supposed to be. Oh, there it is. Lost my place for a second. All right, so their knowledge of their equipment and their constant training in this area would mean that they're, no, uh, they're not only stronger because they're using it a whole lot more, but they're a lot more skilled with it. I always say that the worst thing that we could be is out there whipping our sword, the word of God around, without having any knowledge, without having any understanding of how to use it. Sometimes we throw out verses and it repels people more than it brings them to us because we're not using them correctly. We should use these soldiers as an example. How well conditioned or trained are we in the Word? And I know that's something Jamie and I are working on. We try to read every night to try to keep, keep our conditioning up with it. The more you read it, the better you understand it and you see things, the easier it is for you to pull out stuff for people whenever they're talking in a discussion. You can be like, oh yeah, I remember talking about this and I can find it. We should be constantly studying like it says in 2 Timothy 2.15. So let's go ahead and flip over there going to use our sword a little bit more than staying in one spot tonight, but it's 215 says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It says rightly dividing the word of truth. That means we know we need to know how to divide the word of truth. We need to be skilled enough to be able to do so. That studying will help us become better swordsmen in a sense. All right, so with this better understanding and this knowledge of the word, all these other pieces of armor that we, we are supposed to be, um, be wearing, they become better, they become stronger. Because just like these soldiers, they're, not only are they blocking with the, the shield of faith, but they're blocking with a sword as well and they're, they're keeping things away from their core, they're keeping things away from their knowledge center, their, their soul itself. They're protecting things before it gets there. So with each of these things, our shield of faith is strengthened so it doesn't crumble at the first time that it's challenged. I mean, how many of us have had somebody challenge our faith? Just like the, the brother said this morning, the, in the stony soil, the, the, the crop grew up, but it didn't have any depth. That's what happens whenever you're not studying. You don't have any depth, and whenever somebody questions your faith, you don't know where your faith came from or where it is in the Bible. So, you start to falter and you crumble. Your, Your shield breaks down. You lose your faith. We can be sure that our breastplate of righteousness becomes more resilient so that we have the right relationship that we need to have with Christ. Our belt of truth becomes a lot sturdier because we know and understand the truth. We know what the truth is, and we know we can depend upon it. There's a lot of people out in the world, and the devil wants us to think that, and puts in these people, a lot of these people's minds that this is this is a breathing document, and it's not applicable to today. So basically, he's saying that the truth isn't the truth. But we all know better than that. We should know better than that. Whenever we study the truth, we should know what the truth is because we should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Our feet need to be, uh, will be better shod with the preparation of the gospel, not, only to, or not to trample people that we're trying to convert, because I feel like that's sometimes what we're doing whenever we go to people and bring them the gospel. If we, if we don't have that good yielding or wielding of the sword, of the word, then we kind of bull rush them and run them over and they, they don't grow any spiritually. We're not building them up, we're trampling them down. Um, but we need to meet them where they're at in their understanding and teach them from there. Like I said in Danny's class this morning, we were talking about uh, te- talking to people and bringing the word to them. Well, if if I go out into the world and I meet up with somebody who has zero knowledge of the Word, and I start trying to explain to them revelations, I'm not going to do any good. I need to have that better understanding of where they are and where we need to start at. I might need to start with Genesis. But if I have somebody who's pretty strong in the faith or pretty strong in their knowledge of the Word, they're just missing a couple things then I might not need to start back at Genesis. They might think that is an insult and they'll they'll be turned away as well. So our challenge as Christians is to be the best spiritual soldiers that we can be. How many of y'all have heard the the uh, TV commercial where they always sing the be all that you can be? Okay, nobody wants to raise their hands tonight. It's okay. Most of you, if you've ever watched them, they they always, well, some of our kids are too young for that now, I guess. That moment where you start to feel older. <laughs> but uh, they would always say, be all that you could be. You're not going to be a soldier for Christ if you're not constantly training for stuff. In fact, the Roman soldiers back then, um, they had two different kinds. One of them would be the kind of person that would um, be protecting a specific place like a temple or uh, the walls of a city. They didn't have to be as skilled with what they were doing because they were kind of protected by the walls. The other people had to enlist for 20 years. So you would have to imagine in that 20 years that they had gained a whole lot of skill if they have survived in order to how to to fight in this war that they were in. Well, we need to do the same thing. We're not going to be that, we don't need to be that less skilled guy that just kind of stands there as a, a statue. We need to be that other person that person that constantly is training and working ourselves. So, with this in mind, have you obeyed the gospel? If not, you don't even have the whole armor of God on. You might have a piece of it on. You might want to bring the word to somebody, but you don't have the knowledge how to do it. You don't have the whole armor of God on. Your training can start tonight, and that's through baptism. That's Basically, you're enlisting in God's army. And from there, we continue to train. Doesn't mean you can't train before then, but you're on the winning side whenever you've trained, whenever you start your training there. Are you a wayward soldier that has left your armor or let your armor go into disrepair if you've left parts of it in the tent? You're not going to be an effective soldier of God if your, your sword's in disrepair because you're not studying it. Have you quit training spiritually? Like I said, these guys would enlist for 20 years. They would enlist really young and they would go through the prime of their life in fighting condition, constantly training. Are you, Have you quit your spiritual training? Or do you need help in your spiritual battle? Just because you're struggling doesn't mean that you've fallen away from God. It just might mean that you're The devil's throwing that bigger boulder at you. And while the the belt of truth might be helping you out a lot, we as the other Christian soldiers are there to help you. Never once did you see a battle won in the Roman army by one soldier. They never sent out one guy out there to try to fight. We saw one, one instance of that in the Bible where Goliath went out, and that didn't go too well for him. So we as fellow soldiers are here to pray for you, we're here to help you in any way possible Romans 8:31 says if God be for us who can be against us so guys if you're not on God's well if you're not on God's team you need to be if God's for us no one can uh, the no wiles of the devil can withstand us we know from the Bible that we're that God's army is going to win nothing's more assured than that God's army is going to win. It's just whether you're on it or not. It's probably the most, it is the most pivotal decision you'll ever make in your life. Are you part of God's army? Are you a soldier of the cross? If you have anything in need tonight, if you need to become part of this army, if you need to have the prayers of the saints, if you need us to help you with anything, if your family has need, if you need us to help you come to people and talk with them. There's many other soldiers in this room that are a whole lot more skilled than I am or than other people are. They've been working at it more. They've been studying at it more. They've been training more. So if you have any of that need, please come as we stand and sing. Let the door
1: Charlie Groh!